Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Wednesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, lots to do today. Andy, we don't know for sure how much DeAndre Jordan is going to play for the Lakers, but when he does, could he actually be a useful player? We'll scout him uh, as we continue to go through all the new guys. And we're going to welcome Doug Norrie from Locked on Nets to talk about what has become one of the, the new rivalries in the NBA, uh, how those two teams match up right now and what we could look forward to this season. We'll do all that next. You are Locked On Lakers, your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Before we get going, I want to let you know that Wednesdays on the Locked On NBA podcast, it's small market meets big market. Uh, the join You can join Jake Madison of the Locked On Pelicans podcast and John Corrales of Locked On Celtics for a look at the NBA week from all angles. Follow Locked On NBA today on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, so Andy, you know, I think ever since the whole DeAndre Jordan thing started, there's been a big debate, you know, why are you guys talking about him so much, this, that, whatever. He might actually play a significant role here. It didn't work out in uh, Brooklyn last year, but that was a different deal than this year. So what are we getting with DeAndre Jordan? Plus the Lakers uh, have three total big men on the roster. So yeah. he, he is worth investigating a bit. I think so. Um, and so to help us do that, we're going to get into a bunch of stuff with the whole Lakers-Nets thing because it's uh, become just a fascinating deal. But we're going to start with Doug Norrie, the host of Locked on Nets, talking about DeAndre Jordan because – I mean, I want to make sure that, you know, I, I'm not excited about this, Doug. First of all, how are you? Um, <laughs> Great. Yeah, anytime to jump on and talk not about excited DJ. about DeAndre, Doug. No, I'm He's very, very excited, excited to introduce you. Oh, uh, totally, terrible, totally get it. Totally terrible get it. seg by Brian. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, well, I mean, I, I'm excited now. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> but I... I, I I didn't love the uh, the Jordan for Gasol swap. Um, essentially, if if you want to call it that, I feel like for this team, the the functionality of Marc Gasol being able to step away from the basket is more useful uh, when you already have Dwight Howard um, and Anthony Davis in a world with Russell Westbrook and all that. But part of it's based on the idea that Jordan wasn't very good last year, particularly on the defensive side with Brooklyn, but. There are some contextual things that make a difference that might not be quite as important in LA. So let's start with the, well, what happened in Brooklyn last year. Was he that bad? Was he effective in some ways? What kept DeAndre Jordan from being a guy who Brooklyn could actually use as the season went on? Yeah. So a lot, it's, it's simultaneously a lot happened and not very much happened, right? So a lot happens because he gets brought in and he probably at some point was over elevated into a starting position that he probably shouldn't have really had based on when they originally brought him in along with KD and Kyrie. And it was a point of contention. You have to go back two seasons to figure that out. Um, but that's that was a point of contention when the Nets really weren't in contention. It was about whether DJ should be starting or not. And then they kind of resolve it by going to the bubble and he doesn't go. The next year, it's kind of hard to it's hard to remember, easy to forget that he started a ton of games last year with the Nets. Um, actually, I was surprised by it when I went back and looked, even having watched every single game to to see how many he had started. But by the end of the year, they had sort of seen the writing on the wall with him that for the schemes that they were playing and the spacing that they needed, it just didn't make any sense to have him out there. They figured it out with a few games left in the regular season. 
And then he was totally buried in the playoffs. And I think his last 15 or so games, something like that. He never sniffed the floor. So on the one hand, he probably shouldn't have had as much playing time as he had before. But then when they finally just kind of came to the realization that this was not the style that they were going to play. And he really, at that point, wasn't adding anything really defensively. His rim running wasn't as needed, um, especially with the floor spacing. Like Harden is pretty good at rim runners, but at, at some point when they're fully stacked, they don't even need that to happen. And so that was kind of, I think they saw for their path to the championship, he wasn't going to be part of it. And then they just made a, a, a obviously he, and to his credit, he never said a word about it. He never complained. He never, they never came out and said anything was always a good teammate. Great by all accounts on that end, but they just saw that stylistically that just wasn't where their bread was buttered really on both ends of the court. And they just made a decision. I, I mean, we can get into it more. I took a big L. I thought he was going to have more of a, I thought there was really a role for him on from a, a regular season point of view, not postseason, but regular season point mm -hmm. of view for, for them this year. And, if you could go back and listen to the Lockdown Nets podcast, I was completely wrong about it because basically, <laughs> every, basically almost as like an innings eater guy. Exactly, who, that's exactly the that's the, he wouldn't play. That's the exact example I used. Actually, it was like a long reliever that getting through the 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 drudgery of an NBA season, especially at center, the physicality around it. There's no reason to wear out guys like Blake or Marcus Aldridge or guys like that for games that for the Nets aren't going to matter. Lakers probably fall into this category also, and so. I really thought there would be sort of a physicality piece that they could just say, Hey, we're going to win the games anyway. So why not just save everyone else's mileage? But um, I was wrong about that. And when they were able to get off the contract, it kind of made sense. Well, I mean, the, the good news is that Anthony Davis has made it very clear that he values that physicality. I think whether <laughs> it necessarily helps the Lakers or not helps the team as a whole, uh, AD is very down with that. There, there are some specifics, Doug, that I know I want to get into with uh, DeAndre's play on both sides of the ball. But before we even get to that, like broadly speaking with what you were just talking about, how did he play, do you think, just in a vacuum? Like regardless of whether or not it actually fit for what the Nets were doing, when he was out there, if you were look, trying to evaluate just is he doing what he's supposed to be doing well, poorly, fine, like – and that may be difficult to answer just because the context matters. But yeah. I guess how did he how did he look to you along those lines? Okay, so in the current form of the NBA, he looked pretty slow. Like his vertical movement is pretty poor um, at this point for what the where the modern game has gone. His he's excuse me, his lateral movement, his lateral movement, um, side to side stuff was kind of a was kind of a running joke at times. Uh, we made jokes that he would just sort of plant roots in the lane and never and, and never kind of let them go because he really can never forget about the perimeter piece. He's never going to head out there. Um, he can body on the inside, and then there's probably certain matchups that you're fine with him being in there. Most times, if you were into any kind of switch or drop coverage defense, like he was just not going to be helpful at all. And so, but I think, like I said, it's the context of what are you asking him to do? Are you asking him to be Rudy Gobert in game seven of, of a playoff series? No, no one's asking him to do that at this point. Can he go out there and play 21 minutes a game and not totally brutalize you on both ends? Probably. It depends who his point guard is. Like if he doesn't have a good, if he doesn't have a good ball handling point guard, he is kind of useless on offense. He needs something like Spencer Dinwiddie was great with him with this um, at times. Uh, obviously Harden's great with anybody that's like six, six or above that has hands. Russell Westbrook is, is famous for making centers look good. 
Right. Um, if you can so. get to the rack, if you can get to the rack and be physical, like Kyrie is not actually not like this, right? But if you can be, if you can be a physical downhill point guard, then DJ can play alongside you because he can kind of play sort of in your hip pocket until you release, right? And so um, from that standpoint, like Westbrook might, it probably is a fit. By the way, you, I think you were kind of joking about it with Davis. Like that lack of not wanting to be physical during the regular season, that's perfect. <laughs> like that is that is what he can go out there and do if that, that isn't what AD wants to do. So is he championship old? No, but I don't think he's anyone's asking for him to be this. And one other point I want to make about DJ with the Nets, there is there was a certain point where the money mattered. Like, so I think the Nets would take back his contract now at the at the veteran minimum, mm -hmm. but it was it was the 12 million or whatever that he was making. Like these things are this is where that becomes something of a different proposition, right? Like DJ at 12 million or whatever he was making when he left is totally untenable. But getting bought out and going in for the veteran minimum. Like that's totally palatable, and well, so that, I think that 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 kind of matters also. Yeah. Well, this is though a, a point that I make a lot because the Lakers are three guys who make fifty million, <laughs> forty million bucks. Um, one guy who makes nine in Taylor Horton Tucker, another guy who makes five in Kendrick Nunn, and everybody else makes the minimum. And so when your roster is broken down that way, I fully expect most of the guys making the minimum to outplay a minimum level contract. But for the Lakers, because they have so many of those guys, they need them to be better than that. At least, you know, five, four or five of them to be better than that. And so they need them to be objectively good. And, you know, maybe we'll talk about this when we get back. The, the whether or not Jordan is one of those guys is an interesting thing because if he plays, they've gone back to that model of 2019, 2020, where they had JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. Uh, two guys who could get vertical, go above the rim, finish lobs, protect the rim in theory in that classic way. Um, and if that's the case, like, like the 16 minutes a game that Jordan would play as the starting center in that in that makeup kind of become important. So I know Andy had a couple you know specific things and some numbers that we wanted to look at. So we'll stick on DJ a little bit more and then get into this whole Lakers-Nets thing that everybody wants to see in the finals. We'll do that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Direct TV. So here's the scenario. You got one device game live, then another one that lets you stream your favorite shows and you're watching sports highlights on your phone. And then you've got your best friend's sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend who heard from a guy who knows this kid who's going with her girl her login, good stuff. And th there's a simpler way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV TV stream. It brings your live tickets together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. There's no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together. With DirecTV Stream, you can learn more about it at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. A compatible devices required. Content varies by package. So, Doug, the, the the Lakers, you know, particularly I think for you know, Lakers fans, look at this and you know what happened last year and the difference aesthetically between Marcus All and what happened two years ago, and be like, the rim protection was terrible, the defense and the paint suffered, and all this. Most of that stuff statistically is not untrue. Is not true at all. But it looked different. 
So given what the Lakers theoretically would have Jordan do, which is much more drop coverage, not as much switching as the Nets were doing and all that kind of stuff, classic rim-protecting kind of center, is he still capable of being effective on that end? Because two years ago, his defensive on-off numbers weren't that bad. Well, the good news is that's like all they were able to play with him, right? <laughs> is drought coverage. So if that's what they're going to do, where he doesn't, where he can sag off the screen or whatever, then you are going to be okay with him there. Then obviously the Lakers have significantly more front court size. If you just want to throw from a defensive s- schema that LeBron is a front court player when he's on defense, right? So, if, um, so if if that's the case, they're so huge at that point, and they can probably make up so much difference in the lanes with their size. That their DJ is less of um he's he's less problematic in, in situations like that for sure. The net the Lakers have already shown that they can do that, right? They want to do that for you know at least large chunks, uh just make themselves so big that it's like among the sequoias and you can't really like where are you going to go, especially when you get inside. Um, and I think from that standpoint, DJ actually probably is I don't want to say valuable, but he's competent. Right, because you're not going to need him. You're not going to need him to get up on the screen, or you're not going to need him to switch at all. So, and those are the things that cause him so much, you know, so much consternation around that he just doesn't want to do it. That he couldn't do it. it. It was just, it was kind of pointless to even try at certain points. And also, one thing to remember about the Nets, as as opposed to the Lakers, the Nets were fine with taking some lumps on defense because they knew with certain five man lineups that you would just, it wouldn't matter what you did on offense because they would just do more. So when you have Harden, Kyrie, and Katie specifically, and then even any other spacing wing, Jeff Green, Blake to some degree, even when you get guys like Bruce Brown, who's like a little hybrid-y, but um, whatever, anything, any combination like that for the Aldridge kind of fits this bill too, um, any combination like that for the Nets was going to make it so that defensively they just kind of had to be average. And at that point, because the offense was just going to basically destroy you, and they could live with it. So that's where DJ become became not needed either because they weren't really making their bones on defense. Mm-hmm. They were making their bones on having an unstoppable five-man lineup that you could never hide anywhere, anyone on at any point. And DJ actually made it so you could hide people. So it just got away from basic tenants that they were looking to, to try to do. You see how who they've signed in the offseason to fill the gaps. It's not like they brought in another big because they thought DJ was bad at this being this traditional center. They didn't, they didn't bring in a single guy like that. They brought in Aldridge. They brought in Mills. They brought in the opposites. Aldridge, mm-hmm. Millsap. They'll kind of maybe lean into Claxton a little bit more. Obviously, Blake is back. These are the guys they brought in. It'd be more concerning, I think, from a Lakers standpoint, if they had brought in, well, I know he's on your team, but they brought in like Dwight Howard. I know that's a bad example, but if they, if they had brought him JaVale back. JaVale McGee. Or like JaVale that. McGee. That's a good one because he's still hanging out there. If they had brought someone like that in to replace DJ, then you could probably have real question marks about what they thought DJ's, you know, just on the court prospects were, but they didn't do that because they said, we just don't want that guy at all. We're not bringing, we're like going to be the one team in the NBA that doesn't have even any facsimile of this guy on our team. We don't use it. We don't need it. You can have them. And I guess that is kind of making a case for DJ because if there's any world where that guy is still, where that guy is still valuable, he's, he's fine to go to those teams. The Nets just don't want that guy on the team at all. Um, I, I, Offensively, I mean, I I, I kind of feel the same. I mean, in terms of DJ's defensive role, like if he's competent guarding the lane, which is ultimately what you'd ever want from him or reasonably expect from him because, you know, 
he's bad in a switching type scenario, but you know, Mark Gasol wasn't particularly good either. Whichever one was, I guess, mm-hmm. incrementally better. I don't really care because I don't want either one of them doing it. But offensively, last season, DeAndre shot roughly like a billion percent from the field, which means he was shooting like a billion percent from the rim because that's all he does. It was also a very small sample size. It was his lowest amount of field goal attempts since pre-Lob City Clippers. Um, So with that in mind, how much of that was, do you think, like DJ being legitimately effective in what he was being asked to do versus small sample size theater, if you'd given him more, the returns would have diminished more? Well, he's always been super efficient in that standpoint. He's always been among the league leaders in field goal percentage just because it's like that old Hoosiers mantra. It's like if you're standing wide open under the rim, then you can shoot, but otherwise yeah. don't don't even think about it. And that's kind of what they <laughs> – his was even different. It was if the ball is sitting above the rim for you on a lob, then you're allowed to dunk it. Otherwise, um, under no circumstances are you to shoot the ball. And it's not like he wanted to either because he also doesn't want to get to the line because he's a pretty poor foul shooter. So even though he's really worked on it and – they had some there's some really some pretty funny net stuff about the stuff that he would try to do to, to improve the foul, the free throw shooting over the years. Um, it was moderately effective and slash not really. So it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a sample. It's a sample. I, I got to tell you, I really root for him. He's the most likable guy to root to root for and have on well, your we team. We liked him like, when he was with the Clippers. We, we were oh, on yeah, him. like good guy. the whole just real quick, just a, for Lakers fans that wouldn't know this, but. When he first signed, there really was a, a question about who should start him or Jared Allen and most analytics slash basketball people said it should be Jared Allen mm-hmm. and Allen did. And it kind of went back and forth forever and kind of Atkinson at some point got sort of, I don't think he got fired over this, but it was a tell because the day Atkinson got fired the next day, Deandre Jordan started. And so um, my point being was all during that time where it looked like it was sort of this rivalry between he and Jared Allen because fans wanted it one way or the other. And you sort of choose, chose your teams. He was the first guy that would just dap up, Allen on the on the sidelines before games, he would get, you know get his hair ready. Was, they had whole routines around this stuff. So as much as fans talked about this stuff, it was never it was never him. Anyway, long story short, um, which is not I got away from your original question. The question on offense is, he's you're only going to ask him to rim run and get the occasional putback. One concern I would have about him is that last year for the first time the, the rebounding per minute actually did drop for him, and that could be scheme. Because when he plays with Harden, you really want Harden to be the primary rebounder and not the big, um, just to lessen the uh, points of resistance around, especially transition, right? So, like, and that's a Russ thing too, probably, honestly, mm-hmm. um, because because you want you'd rather have them be your primary rebounder than DeAndre because it just limits a pass or whatever. And so um, his numbers did did dip. Some of that might have been Harden. But some of it might have just be a little bit of an age thing catching up with him, too. And when, you know, an old father time starts creeping in, sometimes that stuff like above the rim, bodying out, boxing out, figuring out where the ball is going to go, beating guys to the glass can drop off, too. So that would be like my one little concern about the things that he is good at, that this one thing that he does have has always sort of had in his bag, which is rebounding both offensively and defensively, did did drop last season. Like I said, there's probably some context, but I don't think it goes and explains the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the offense is interesting just because it's like he's not going to be a focal point of it, but like shooting percentages can be very um, misleading in the sense of are you really having a, a good impact on the offense or not? Is your presence there? And I, I think it's in this case, it's less about 
DJ than it is, you know, how well can they space the floor or work within a floor that isn't spaced well at all. Like, you know, LeBron and Russ are even, I say this even as somebody who has questions, LeBron and Russ are, for example, are good enough passers to fit things into very tight windows. Um, so they don't, you know, they can still make stuff work if they can get to the rim and go downhill and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I would not expect DeAndre Jordan to be, you know, a, a fundamental part of the offense. No, <laughs> I would hope not. I would I, you think your season's in trouble if he is. <laughs> yeah, that's not we're we're not going to get the finals matchup that everybody wants if that's the case. <laughs> no, probably not. Saying, Doug? Yeah, I mean, not if you, not if you're asking him to do anything besides those those few things, right? Which I yeah. think, look, in the modern NBA, there's still places for those things. I, I think that there's. Again, I said at the top, I was a proponent of bringing him back just for that alone, um, just for the just for the piece that if you, this is something, if you are going to play with that kind of guy, this is a guy that can do that. Lakers clearly want to play with that guy. Dwight Howard is not too dissimilar th- from this, right? Um, and so, I think for in that world that there's still there's still value to be had. It's just it's just that they're just running. It's what's going to make. It's frankly, if they get to the finals together, it'll make it fascinating because they do. They are going to run completely different schemes here on both ends. And oh, DeAndre sure. just didn't. DeAndre didn't fit one, and he possibly fits the other. Um, all right, so we'll do a lot more of this after the break um, in terms of looking at the two teams and and what people are thinking and all that. But um, first of all, I think you made a lot of Lakers fans feel much better about the DeAndre <laughs> Jordan acquisition. So you've done a great service to the people of Los Angeles, and for which well, you Ryan should be feel better if nothing else. I, I, you know what, I do. I, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I, I'm gonna spend most of the rest of the day feeling uh, much happier. What do people in, you know, in Nets land think? of the Lakers like you know what is the perception of the quality of the team how well they stack up before we get into our opinions I'm really interested too in what fans think about it because I know Lakers fans are doing the same in terms of evaluating how good the Nets are so Nets fans are in an interesting spot here because unlike the Lakers the timeline around being in this lake let me put it this way the Nets have never had this kind of team before um, now there's been very few teams sort of historically that look like the Nets do now, but Lakers have had in recent years, what, two years away from winning the championship, have a team that you could look at before the season started and say, Hey, we're like pretty far into the favorites here. We have an MVP candidate, right? We have these things. We have, you know, two of the top players in the game. Nets when Nets fans went into the last season thinking that it's, there's still sort of a part where I think that the Nets fans are disbelieving of sort of how it's almost like they don't realize how good this team is yet. And even though odds will like look at bet online, there are these two teams are the runaway favorites right now. Um, it's pretty obvious, even from analytics right down to eye test, that these two teams are so far above the rest of the group that it's you almost have to make narratives for the other ones to even be close, <laughs> right? Like you have to sort of start talking yourself into other scenarios that I think people put know, Milwaukee in there as like sort of the and honorary. They're not, right. They're not. And they're not. And I get, they just won the championship and I, and it was awesome. And I'm a huge fan of Giannis and blah, 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 blah. If you look at these two teams on paper, specifically around the depth they've created to, to avoid the things that happened to them late season last year, and I think that's what both of these teams really did was to say, hey, the way we can avoid what happened last year is to make the teams make the make the team so deep that we just don't need to ever overtax anybody. But I think that Nets fans aren't. I actually don't know if they're even thinking about the Lakers right now in the same way, because it's still they haven't 
gotten over the, the Nets have not gotten over the hump yet, right? They are still this is still a team that is has not gotten there. They're a devastating loss to the Bucs last year um in the playoffs and a, and probably a, a year that was one that got away from them as 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 you watch everything play out. Nets fans spent the whole play probably more than Lakers fans said, "Man, that was right there. It was right there for this to be the championship because just seeing how the finals played out and whatnot. So I would say that like Nets fans at this point are probably a little less concerned with the Lakers and a little more concerned with like, Hey, can we get through an entire season and actually pull this off? Mm -hmm. And even though I'm with you that there's at this point on paper, these two teams are ridiculous. Like the the Nets, the Nets, the Nets could win 70 games. And I know that's, I wouldn't, if they tried, yeah, if they, if they tried, and they really went for it. This team could probably, and they were able to avoid devastating injuries. I think they could even get banged up. And well, still Andy, do it. Andy has, uh, in addition to the talent that you mentioned there, Doug, Andy has a, a, I think, very strong theory as to how we can all get what we want out of Lakers versus Nets, oh, regardless of how many uh, games that they win. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that next. Locked on Lakers, brought to you by Built Bar, the best. Tasting protein bar ever. Bars covered in 100% chocolate. Soft, easy to chew. Not going to call out the ones uh, that are a chore to chew that require a hacksaw and a chainsaw and hammers, nails, Band whatever. Saw. But you know Love who you saws. are. You're, you're a bunch of deadbeats. But Built Bar, they're healthy. They are great for health. Whether you want the low sugar, the low calorie, the high protein, the high fiber. If you're a keto person, great for all of you. And they taste great. Like always, you got the 12 original flavors like raspberry, coconut almond, salted caramel, banana bread. New flavors like cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, cookies and cream. They're perfect for someone like me who loves really cool, unique taste combinations. Don't want to feel bored eating the same thing over and over. It does not happen with Built Bar. So go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. You get 15% off your first order. Again, promo code LOCK15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Locked on Lakers also brought to you by betonline.ag. Football, it's back. It's better than ever. My fantasy team's off to a spectacular start, which is really what matters. Um, but all eyes are on the gridiron. Teams are back. Uh, week one is done. Week two is coming. And BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. So you head on to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. 100%. It doesn't get higher than that, Doug. Uh, that's double your initial deposit just for signing up. So don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. Uh, from football, basketball, to boxing, right down to your Vegas, favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Um, so, yeah, you you talked about it, Doug. The, the Nets, on paper, if everybody stays healthy, could win a ton of games, 65, whatever, How if they really – put the gas down the Lakers if everybody's healthy could very likely do the same uh, you know particularly you know through the regular season but even if they didn't we're going to get a Lakers Nets finals come hell or high water right Andy oh yeah I mean look unless both of these teams crap the bed in ways that are just too obvious uh too nakedly transparent that you can paper over paper over with some type of explanations the league is going to rig this thing so we get Lakers Nets in the finals because this is what everybody wants. There's always concerns about ratings in a, in a new world where you know there are more options. People are cutting cords, all that stuff. 
sports. Got to save them, man. And Lakers-Nets is what the people want. Like the Lakers' schedule, Doug, opens pretty soft. This is a team that needs time to get going, put all the new pieces together. You going to tell me that's a coincidence? No. Like what's Brooklyn's schedule? Would you say Brooklyn's schedule is favorable overall? Because the Lakers is good. I Lakers When I checked, really I saw Brooklyn. I didn't understand this, but Brooklyn has 13 games against St. John's and another six against Seton Hall. I know that. Well, they opened this. They 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 did one dirty thing to them a little bit. Is that they made they're making them open the season against Milwaukee when Milwaukee's going to get the ring. Um, so like they have to. No, that's good. Teams you teams usually uh-huh. yeah. crap the bed on ring night because it's too distracting. <laughs> no, it's no, no, gonna no. Be okay. it's, it's just the right thing to do to make oh, yeah. sure that these teams meet in the final. This is entertainment. Give people well, what they want. If you look at the top five, if you want to just look at it from that standpoint, because people will always Lakers fans, I don't know if they ever deal with they never deal with this. It's the opposite. Because like one one thing Nets Nation gets dragged with is that they're not a real team, right? They don't have real fans, they don't have a real fan base. Oh, this would be a joke if they won. Look at their stadium, it's a Knicks town. This is where these are the these are the thing you were wondering about about rivalries. Nets will never have a rivalry with the Lakers. Nets have a Nets fans specifically have rivalries, one within their own sort of feelings of not being good enough <laughs> like you know, little brother kind of syndromes where they feel like they're always told they're not a real they're not a real team you know like these these fans just came around blah 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 you know the, if msg is rocking then the barclays will be a joke stuff like this this is the, these are the rivalries that the nets fans have um but if you look at in terms of popularity in terms of like jersey sales I'm pretty sure these these two teams have five or six of the top ten jerseys now, and I know KD, Harden, and Kyrie are top three. I'm sure LeBron is like no lower than two, um, and then I'm sure Russ, Russ of the West with a Laker jersey is going to be really high up there too. So if you look at, at a new NBA landscape where fans are fans of players and are fine swapping the laundry around a little bit, then you are if you are the NBA, you're so happy about this. <laughs> because you're going to have like five of the most popular guys. In the- yeah, and that, yeah, and they're all interconnected. And that, le- that leads to the, the, the next question I have. Like we've talked a lot about, you know, just the ways, the, you know, it's not hard to come up with storylines with these six guys, um, you know, connected to each other. And then, you know, forget the, you know, some of the ancillary Carmelo Anthony going for all that stuff. I mean, we don't even need to get there. What are your favorite kind of matchup related things when you think about what Lakers Nets could be going into the year. Cause that's the other thing they've never actually played like right. for all the hype they've never played. Well, it starts with who fans want to label the best pl- and I'll do it too. Who, who everyone wants to always label who the best player is, right? Who's the best player in the league. And you have talking heads all over the place that have sort of put their stake in the ground and will never move off it. And then you got people that are having it fine being a fluid situation. The fact that you could have a finals that features two guys that are typically spoken like this and LeBron and KD just to start would be fascinating and awesome. Now they've already done it once, but that wasn't really KD's team at the time, right? That was Steph's team. And so um, the, this is clearly like after last year's playoffs, forget it. Don't even if they're, even if they're healthy with Harden and Kyrie, this is KD's team. Like he was so unbelievable last year that there is no doubt that he is the you know alpha on this team, and the rest of the guys are just kind of happy to be playing with him and are great also. So he'd be in a situation where he clearly is that guy for the first time facing off against a guy who you can still at his peak put as no worse than like the top 
three best player in the league. So I think it would just start with that. But then you have all these. I mean, you how many people's legacies would be fixed by the one of these two teams winning the championship? <laughs> like everybody's <laughs> there'd be so many probably more the lakers at this point because you would get mellow one and you could get um well ed already has you get russ one right and then just kind of down the line hard that's hard but then you throw harden in the mix like you fix his legacy right there Kyrie probably still ends up being the same you know blake gets a championship somehow at the tail end of his career there's a lot of guys whose story gets changed just by these two teams entering the finals and in a way that there's no other narrative. I mean, God, the narratives, this would be an absolute wet dream for some of these national broadcast places. They never run out of stories. <laughs> They'd never be able to stop talking about it. My, my question to you, Doug, is who do you think would want it more? I'm just kidding. Don't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> when you look at the way the Lakers theoretically are going to be playing this season, which is just overwhelming teams with size, trying to get as much as they possibly can at the rim, you know, just putting that type of pressure on you. And, you know, if Frank Vogel's system and uh, communication abilities are to be believed, being able to get any combination of players you ever give him to play elite level defense versus Durant and Harden and Kyrie leading this blitz of, we don't care about defense. We are just going to outscore everybody. Like, are there things in the matchup that make you believe, like, one side will give as, as opposed to the other one? Like, are, are there things that you look at and say, all right, here's where the Lakers may have an inherent advantage versus here's where the Nets may have? Again, early on, but just what you see on paper. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think a pretty obvious advantage that the Nets have right now is the one question I personally, I don't know, I'm sure you guys have talked about this, um, or I'd love to hear your feedback, is that if I looked at the two squads right now, I would have some concerns about the Lakers shooting, I think, um, in terms of, especially if they ran out. You're not alone, Doug. Yeah, if they ran out like a Westbrook, LeBron, AD, big center, and then like that last guy is the one guy that can shoot, that, that would be... That would be a little bit like Ellington, I guess. Um, like that would be a little bit of a concern for me, or that would be where I would think the Nets would have some advantage that the, their defensive capabilities would not be able to make up. Because I'm actually not worried about guys like Russ on defense, especially around these the, the two guards. And so when it comes to Harden and Kyrie, and so I'm not sure that's really an advantage that plays in the Lakers' favor. That I don't right, think they get the, enough. You, just, you make yourselves easier to cover. This is why I actually mean it to. Not uh, let's get back to it. Like, no, yeah. I'm not totally sure they're going to play the overwhelming with size thing in the same way that they did in 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 the championship season. You know, there will be elements of that, especially if Jordan plays. But I actually think they're going to be smaller and faster this year um, in a lot of ways than they were before. The difference is Anthony Davis is so rangy and so big, and LeBron is so big. And, and Russ and so, is like, big. I mean, they're big either they're, way. They're, they're just size from top to bottom. Right, size by by that you mean not just size at center, just large Sorry, human beings. And okay, yeah. in that sense, I agree with you. But I think people sometimes associate that with you know playing a lot of centers, playing a lot of bigs. I'm not convinced they're going to do it that way. But yeah, they still got length. Sure. Oh yeah, like the Bucks had the Bucks had size last year, and you wouldn't think of them as a big team. But when they mm -hmm. all stand on the court together, there's really nowhere for the ball to right. go. So size can be born out of different sort of types of player it's but more you do, than you're I, right you do make yourselves easier to cover when you shrink the floor that way and the shooting isn't there it makes it easier for a team that may not be as good as you uh defensively like the nets to 
cover you more easily. Yeah, um, there's you know, uh, the Nets would games. not have a problem in in the in the in the lineup that I mentioned. I don't actually think come to a game seven that would be the Lakers lineup. I, I don't. It's just I think you know eventually AD just plays goes moves to center and they bring in, they get another shooter onto the floor, another spacer onto the floor, and that's ends up being the way you go. I I still but I still wonder how much of the shooting they have down the line. If, and and if it's enough, because again, the 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 Nets almost have a the reason the Nets. It's, I, I used to say this all last year. The reason that looks like the Nets have um, are always spacing the floor really well is not because they actually they do space the floor very well, but it's because defenders cannot let up on any single player, and you can't double any guy. And so what happens then is the floor just op- magically does open up in a way that it doesn't for other teams because you. The, the the fractional inches that you can sometimes give away to other lesser players, you're, it's not available with the Nets, and so then it looks like the ball can move super fast because there's can't be have any mistakes being made. It's such an overwhelming advantage when they play all against each other that can end up looking like oh they're this great spacing team and they move the ball so fast. It's really born out of when you're when you're in that situation against them on defense. If you give even an inch in a certain situation, you're dead and. That is that typically can overwhelm even the most defensively sound big team when it's in the end because they can score from all three levels and specifically they have three guys that can score at elite sort of levels from all three levels and when that's the case you can there's very few defensive combinations that can account for that and so I think that that combined with wondering a little bit where some of the range shooting comes for the Lakers mm-hmm. would make me think that the Nets at least on paper right now have the advantage. All right, there's there is uh, no shortage of stuff to talk about with when it comes to the Lakers and Nets. It is mid September. We're literally just getting started with it. I cannot imagine this will be the last time, Doug, uh, that we do this. Um, it was a lot of fun, and oh, yeah. two teams that it's kind of it's it sucks and it's cool that they're only going to play twice this year because it leaves a lot of mystery. So thanks so much for coming on, man. And giving the time, looking forward to do it again. I'll talk Nets versus Lakers all day. Yeah, look forward to talking during the season. Awesome, man. Thank you.